Have you ever wondered about the relationship between your Christian walk today and the Jewish people? After all, Jesus came to earth as the Messiah, and the book of Romans tells Gentile Christians they were grafted into the olive tree of the Jewish nation. What does that really mean? Those are the kinds of questions Kurt Landry addresses in this special three-part Charisma Connection series reflecting on the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. We'll be discussing these topics with Kurt once a month, running from October through December. Stay tuned. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. In the first episode of our series on the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, we addressed how Christians can reclaim their forgotten heritage. Then we touched on covenants and what they show about the character of the living God who wants to have a relationship with us. Today, our guest, Kurt Landry, shares with us about the feast in the Bible and what, why they are still important to the believer today. So we welcome you, Kurt, back to Charisma Connection. Oh, Chris, thank you so much. I'm so enjoying these podcasts, and I hope that the viewers are enjoying them as well. Well, this is getting to be a good habit for us, so. <laughs> but uh, we welcome you, and we want to draw on your expertise today for another big topic, uh, the Feast of the Lord. And I have to say, I'm all about feasting. I don't know about that fasting stuff, but feasting is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am myself, uh, I'm, a, I'm a chef. All right. my, my father, my father was a chef. Actually, uh, he retired uh, at 66 and was home for about a month and realized that, you know, he was going crazy. So he actually went to chef school. He was the family already likes to cook, but he went and actually graduated. Um, and so um, my uh, all of our family loves to cook. Um, and so feasting is is really a great way to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. And think about it in the scriptures, Chris. Doesn't the Lord say, taste and see that the Lord is good? Yes, he does. Wow, yeah. that's interesting to know about your family there. And Yeah, uh, we're... Uh, we're into the uh, we're we're foodies is what you would call, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I love the whole process of it's a great way to relax. Yes, indeed. Well, let's talk about these feasts of the Lord that we see in the scriptures. Should believers today who are not of the Jewish faith or not messianic participate in the feast God instituted for His people in the Old Testament? Well, to me, it's. In the Hebrew, we'll go a little deep for a minute, and then I'm going to go right into the practicality. Okay. In the Hebrew, it's called a moed, and each one of the feasts, the appointed feasts, but it's God's appointed times. Hmm. Okay, it's God. So God appoints a time, and I think people need to get a hold of that so that when we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whether we are of the seed and the flesh of of Isaac, if we are Jewish or if we're non-Jewish, I I think that we need to understand that your heavenly Father has God's appointed times, and and He's inviting you, but it's not mandatory. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. It's so... just a, it's just an it's just an invite. So if you um, um, if you were in my culture around here, and um, uh, Everyone knows, like, 
the I'm famous for a few dishes. Okay, like number one, one of them spaghetti. Okay, I I have a two day marinara spaghetti sauce that I make, and if you get invited to my house and the people around here, they know that it is great honor to be invited to Kurt Landry's house for the spaghetti sauce. Okay. Mm. Uh, and people will say, Hey, have you, have you tasted it? Have you been in people talk about it? Well, I'm just a man and it's just spaghetti sauce. But what happens with the Lord is the Lord is inviting you personally. And he's saying, you're my child. You are a co-heir and the family is having an event and you're invited. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing to be invited by God. Oh, it's just, it's, it's absolutely, it's awesome. And, and what Christy and I have learned with our family and with our children, it is a way to reinforce the Christian culture in a, in a very natural way, because each one of the feasts teaches a story that really is a, the biblical feasts basically lay out a plan uh, of God for mankind. And each one is a reminder. And like in this season, let's remember this about God. And then in this season, let's remember this, this nature of God. It's a beautiful thing, Chris. Hmm. Well, you know, many Christians today have been to a church or somewhere where someone would explain in detail what the Passover is. Would you say the Passover is the most significant feast of the Lord? And, and why or why not? Okay. Well, yes, it is. Um, Passover is the ultimate redemption. Okay. Mm. You're coming out of Egypt and you're going into your promised land. And uh, so it's the ultimate redemption. But the reason that Passover is the most important is because in Exodus 23, starting in verse 20, there is actually nine promises of divine protection that come from actually participating in the, the Passover table. And, and there, there's actually a, uh, as we taught in the last podcast, there is a covenant promise that comes when we put our feet under the table. I don't know uh, if, you under, if you know this or not, but in Psalm 23, where it says in verse 5, and it says, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy, enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 23. That's a Passover table. Hmm. So um, the promises are positioning alignment for favor at Passover. Uh, divine authority and commissioning happen at Passover. Supernatural health are promised and kingdom prosperity covenant protection, multiplication, and longevity. Um, I just summarized them here for, for, for the podcast, but respect from your enemies and God, God fearing, uh, from your enemies, uh, and the Lord will drive out your enemies and your enemies will become his enemies. Dominion and inheritance are activated and freedom from corrupt covenant. So anything that you have that you know, you got involved in that turns out you thought it was good, but it really was bad. Those things are all undone, all as a promise of sliding your feet under the table and by faith participating with the four cups and the elements of Passover. Hmm. Nine promises of divine protection. 
and and it covers the gamut, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Chris. And here, you know, for us, um, of course, we have a Passover at House of David, and we'll have we've had as many as seven hundred people, um, full Passover, full meal, and uh, full seder, and and it's very powerful. It's our Passovers have are selling out in two days. So once we announce it and open up registration online, uh, the Passover is sold out at House of David in two days. So this year, we're going to the Hilton in South Lake Dallas. Hmm. Uh, and South Lake Dallas is just, it's a beautiful area. It's real close to the airport. So sh- you can get a shuttle from DFW to the hotel there. And uh, we're, we're going to have 400 people on April the 11th, April the 11th, 2020, we're going to have 400 people, and the and the theme of this is 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 a Passover gathering the nations, because our ministry is uh, really almost as large in Asia, and uh, and in in Africa and South Africa, that our partnerships are so strong. We're going to everyone can't come to House of David. It's very difficult to get here. Multiple flights, rent a cars. But now we're going to have this at a beautiful facility at the Hilton South Lake Dallas. And um, this way they, they can come and have that experience and that and experience that that table and experience those nine blessings. And all I can all I can tell you, Chris, it is literally it's a prophetic experience the way we do it. I've been doing this 30 years and, and this is a Holy Spirit encounter. Uh, I, I tell people it's 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 communion on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so where can people go if they want uh, more information on that? Go to KurtLandry.com. All right. Keep it simple. Right on one website, KurtLandry.com. Excellent. Yeah, so, it's, gonna, it's a beautiful place to have a Passover. We uh, When we go there and film at Daystar, uh, actually Marcus and Joni put us up in this hotel and that's where I got the download. Mm, <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. this place is gorgeous. What a great place for our partners to come. There's great shopping, uh, restaurants, and, and everything is, is walking distance. You can just walk, and it's beautiful and safe. And I thought, what a great weekend for us to gather in fellowship. Mm-hmm. So once again, that's uh, April 11th in uh, Dallas area, 2020. So many of us have also seen the Jewish feast as we scroll through our calendars. Some of us still use paper calendars, and they're on there like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Could you walk us through uh, some of those feasts and how many they are, um, how, what's their significance? Okay, I, I would, I'd be honored to. So first of all, this is a lunar calendar. So mm-hmm. that means that the dates will shift. Like right now, we're in a uh, biblical year, 5780. Okay, so, mm-hmm. so and, and it's 2019, but yet 5780 will carry over into 2020. So um, let me walk through a, a real practical, like how the Lord basically prepares his bride for his return. Because that's what these are. These are previews of coming attractions. Okay. So first of all, in the fall, you have the Feast of Trumpets. That's the announcements. The trumpets are blown. There's an awakening blast. And it's like 
you are welcome to the new year. And then the next thing you know, you go 10 days out and there is redemption in Yom Kippur or the day of atonement. This is a time of preparation. So if this was the bride, the bride accepts the offer, the family accepts it, they receive the cup. And the next thing she would do is she would actually go into a water immersion which we have at House of David, she would go into what they call a mikvah. She would prepare and cleanse herself for this wedding, okay? And then, then the wedding comes is at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a wedding feast. Uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a time to abide. It's, it's a time for the wise virgins to have their lamps trim and their oils fill. That is that abiding feast. Okay. Now the next feast that comes is is not a biblical feast, but it is a preparatory feast, and it's a little feast that goes unnoticed a lot of times, and it's called Hanukkah. And the feast of Hanukkah is is a great feast because it is our story as Christians, right? Because the Maccabees they they made a decision that they were going to walk according to their biblical principles, not sacrifice a pig on the altar in the city of Modein, and uh, um, the, uh, the, the Maccabees, the Judah Maccabee decides, listen, enough is enough. And he kills the, the commander of the, uh, uh, Roman, um, garrison that was there. And now the fight is on. They have to battle by night up from Modi'in up to Jerusalem, only to find that the temple is in, in despair. There's a statue of Zeus. There's pig blood all over the place. And they have to clean the temple and restore the oil according to God's promise. And basically, that's what we're doing in, in our lives all the time. Once we get saved, we're restoring this temple from its Adamically cursed, unsanctified self. And now we're preparing ourselves to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now that happens, obviously, right around in December, right around at Christmas time. And and then we have the new year in the Gregorian calendar. But then right after that, we have this little feast called Purim. And Purim is where this young Jewish girl, her name is Hadassah, or we would know her as Esther. And Esther now has to listen to the prophet Mordecai, her uncle. And he says something profound. And the profound thing he says to her, Chris, is he says, listen, uh, if you don't answer this call, don't think deliverance is coming to you or our people. God will find somebody else to do this work. And so then she goes into this it, months and months of preparation of anointing oil, preparing herself to go before the king. The king accepts her. She speaks the word. The curse and the death uh, is, is off the Jewish people uh, that Haman put on them and the extermination. And she saves the whole nation because she obeyed God. All that beautiful teaching goes on. And then we're moving into the springtime. And here's the beautiful time of Passover and unleavened bread, the redemption, the story of the Jewish people being redeemed from the bondage and the slavery of Egypt. We, and, and, and now uh, Moses says, let my people go that they might worship me. So this is a whole story about how to worship. And then if we're going to worship God, we have to go through the water. And obviously we go through the Red Sea and the Lord parts the Red Sea for us and buries our enemies behind us. And, and we go on this journey to be able to become a nation for God. 
It's a beautiful story. Then we have 50 days that go down. And then the next 50 days, there's Pentecost. There's the Feast of Shavuot, where God gives the instruction to Moses and, and he burns into tablets with fire. And, uh, and that's what he's doing in our hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We read the word, but the word and the spirit becomes this fire. And we'd be able to be empowered 50 days later. Uh, and, and then we go through the summer and it's the, the ninth of Ab and there's testings, kind of Psalm 23, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of test, death, we will fear no evil. There's that testing period that's there. And then we get to, again, at the end of the summer, we're back to that cycle again. We're back to trumpets. So that's kind of how the Lord, with his invites, he takes you through that story over and over again. And obviously, you can tell I've told this story a few times as a grandpa, as a Saba. <laughs> so what I'm doing is I'm passing this story on to my children and my spiritual children, because each one of these beautiful feasts, are an appointed time of God to be able to say, this is how we live and this is how we prosper with the sovereignty of God's covenants. Well, tell us more about how these fulfill God's promises and get us to look for a future kingdom. Well, Chris, each one of them is a preview of a coming attraction. Now we believe, and many people believe, that the return of the Lord, we know that, that he'll return to the Mount of Olives, okay? And that when he returns, that he'll return on the Feast of Trumpets. And, uh, and, and the reason we say that is, let's, let's back into this. Uh, we know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He literally was lifted up on a cross at Passover. So during Passover, at the time of the crucifixion, while the lambs were literally, think about this, the lambs were, were found without spot or blemish, okay? They, they are cut open. There is a stick that goes up their spine and one that goes through their arms, and it forms a cross. And literally, when they roast the Passover lamb over the fire, they take the entrails and wrap it around the crown, and it looks like a crown on top of the head. So you've got these lambs that look just like Jesus on the cross being roasted at the same time he's being crucified. So there's no question about it that when John the Baptist saw him coming to be water baptized, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. So Passover has been fulfilled. Pentecost when the Holy Spirit come with fire, that obviously has been fulfilled because look at all the Spirit-filled people from then until now. And uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the awakening, uh, we, are wake, we are waiting for that, that trumpet blast. We are waiting for the world atonement, all those who call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And obviously, tabernacles is when he comes to gather us up and we will rule and reign with him in tabernacling in the new Jerusalem for a thousand years. So, so those are all preparations of Passover, he did this, Pentecost, he did this, but in the fall feast, we are waiting with great anticipation. We are the wise virgins with lamps filled and, and we are preparing. We can see in the spirit and we can hear the Holy Spirit saying, behold, the bridegroom cometh. We, we know that he's coming. We don't know if he's coming tomorrow or he's coming in 50 years. It doesn't matter. It's just our hearts 
are, are like that, that bride and we're in anticipation that he is not a man that he should lie. He keeps covenant and we are prepared at all times for his return for us. Well, it's just so visual, all of these different symbolic elements that God instituted in these feasts. And, um, you know, you can always almost watch the movie play out in, in the, the uh, process that you just went through. Yes, and, and that's, you know, um, when we do the feast at House of David, for me as the pastor at House of David, I bring in all our children who are under bar mitzvah age. That would be under, you know, 13. And they all sit around the front. And I come off the platform. I am not at the, the pulpit or which in our house would be a bima. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not at the bima. The bima is where you stand to speak for God. Okay. That's why when you're at the pulpit that everyone understands when you're at the bima, in, in a synagogue, you're standing there that, that you are there to read the words of God. That is a place of super holy. That's the, that's the place where God speaks. So I come off that platform and I come down and sit in a chair with the children and I tell them the story pretty much just like I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what happens is they need to not only live the story and hear it, but you know what? They're preparing to tell it to their children because, you know, time goes pretty quick. Yes, it does. <laughs> and uh, the value of the oral telling, I mean, in the Old Testament, there is that verse, and I can't think of it right now, where uh, the parents were told to tell these things to their children as you walk along the way and so forth. You could, you could remind me of that verse. Yeah. Well, actually that's the verse about, I can't quote the verse to you, but I, I know which verse you're saying. And that's where we get what we call the mezuzah. Mm -hmm. And if you see the little mezuzahs on the doorpost of the Jewish houses, that's that scripture that, that, that before, when we go out, it's just a tradition that we touch our lips and then we touch the mezuzah, which is the word of God for that scripture. And, and, and we remember that when we go out, we are to walk like him. Mm -hmm. Just so, a little reminder. Yes. You know, and I mean, people can carry it and make it legalistic, but for me, it's just, just a reminder. When I go out, I don't want to, especially when something provoking happens. And it's like, am I going to respond Christ-like or am I going to respond in my flesh? Mm -hmm. So what else do you think believers today need to know about the Feast of the Lord? Um, I think the, the biggest thing on my heart, Chris, right now is it's truly a preparation to glorify the bride, the 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 body of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really a time where he really wants to love on his people. Because mm. um, the feasts are all about God's love and, and it's all about being special. It's all about, you know what? We're God's chosen people. We, we have covenants. We have promises. We, we are invited in to be with the God of the universe. 
And it's all, it's all about that. And, and, and the Lord, I, you know, the scripture says in the New Testament says, do not forsake the assembly of yourself, even that much more so as the, you see the days approaching. And so, Chris, I think one of the things that's happening and, uh, and one of the reasons I love charisma is that you guys, you stand with Israel mm-hmm. and, and you allow somebody like me to come on your podcast and talk about these things. But he's gathering Israel. He's gathering the church. He's making them one new man. He's bringing his children in. And he's, he's wanting to love on them. He's wanting to bless them. We know that we are in that season of Malachi 3, and it says, who can endure these times? It's like a launderer's soap and a refiner's fire. We know things are going in the natural, get more and more difficult as the days get darker. But the body of Christ, the bride, gets brighter in the darkness. And one of the ways we have the energy and we have the synergy with God to be um, at peace provided for, protected for, is by accepting the invitation to go to the Lord's table at these feasts. I I think it's a great time of not just fellowship with believers, but fellowship with God. I wouldn't miss them for anything. We have for, Christy and I, for 30 years have, have planned our calendars around it. And I'll say this humbly, we've had some pretty important big invitations with real big important people. And we've had to tell them, no, uh, we can't come because it's Passover. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's very significant and very important. So what would be the next step for anyone who wants to start practicing the feasts in their lives? I, um, I would recommend if, if let's, let's talk about a crawl, walk, run. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would go to KurtLandry.com and first of all get teaching on the feast. I, I have, I have teaching there, but also I would order the DVDs of the feast. You have I would a special actually, DVD about them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I would, I would watch, and then the next thing I would do is I would is like that would be the crawl. The walk would be I would go ahead and live stream. The next feast that we have, I would go ahead and mark your calendar and, and then just live stream it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't cost anything. And, and then for the next big one we have is Passover. When you see that the elements of a Passover Seder table are absolutely Jesus the Messiah without any question, it is, it is a profound revelation for many people to realize that that when the Lord gave the instructions in Exodus for Passover, that it was an exact model of the Lamb of God that was going to come thousand, you know, years later with Jesus. I mean, it's, it, it is so reassuring. It's faith building. It's exciting. And uh, so when Jesus was at the Last Supper and said, do this in remembrance of me, he was at a Passover table. And uh, he became that third cup. He is the cup of redemption. And uh, so, uh, I mean, it's powerful. I mean, remember when he went into the garden and uh, uh, what, what were the words he said? He said, Lord, he said to his father, Father, if possible, would you take this cup from me? Because the flesh was, he knew what he was going to have to endure in the, in the suffering of the crucifixion and all that, 
the, you know, the 39 stripes on his back and the crown of thorns and the nails and the hanging and, and, and he knew what he was going to, and, and the man side of him, I mean, he's all man, he's all God. And, and he says, Lord, if possible, can you take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be done. And that's a Passover cup. So the reason he said, he said it up the up in the upper room there at the, at the Passover, he says, I'm not going to drink this cup because he drank that cup in the garden. When he went to the garden, that was, see, that's a covenant act. And you get to, when you celebrate Passover, all that goodness of God and the sweating of blood from his brow. And then he turns to his disciples and said, wake up. Can't you not tarry with me one hour? I'm going through the toughest time of my whole ministry and my best friends are asleep. Wow. And man, that's powerful stuff. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> and don't you find that God is is focused on the detail and he has a reason to be, like you mentioned about the exact model of Jesus at the Last Supper. Well, you know, we have a lamb shank bone on the Seder plate. The Seder plate is just a, a it, Seder in Hebrew means the order. The plate has order. But if you look at that bone on there, it's it, in Hebrew, it's called the Zoror, okay? And that's the right arm of God. Hmm. So when the, that's, and that's another covenant act. When the Lord has said enough is enough of the attack coming against you, then the right arm of God comes and sweeps away your enemies. And it's very visual and it's easier with children. But when I, when Saba lifts up that bone and my granddaughter's looking at it and, and I'm saying God is all powerful and his arm, he will wipe out your enemies. I mean, she immediately is going into like a superhero mode <laughs> because that's all she knows. She just thinks, man, my God, I'm serving. I'm not serving this weak like God that I have to come and beg and say, oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, Lord. I, no, this this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's up there. And, and then all the other teaching, you, you have the maror, you have the, it's the, the, the bitter root. And, and, and you take your matzah, which is the bread that is without lemon and pierced, and you dip it in there. And you know what? Sometimes in life, you're going to have some bitter things. But if you take that same cracker, that same matzah, with that bitter root, it's like a horseradish mi a mixture, and you dip it into what they call the horoset, which is an apple spice, real sweet mixture of apple and nuts and honey and cinnamon, and you pile it on top of the bitterness, guess what? The sweet taste overcomes the bitter taste. And so you're teaching those little children that when bitterness comes, always go to sweet Jesus and pile Jesus up on top of the situation and it will take that bitter taste out of your mouth because in every situation you're either going to become a bitter root or a blessed root choose blessing hmm another place where god calls us to choose yes and taste and see that the lord is good mhm mm well, Kurt, I think we have touched on so many wonderful things about the Feast of the Lord. I'll give you the last word. Anything else you'd like to share? Um, I think 
out of Psalms 24, uh, it's in verse three, it says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And it goes on to say, who has not lifted up his soul to idols nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and, and righteousness from the God of salvation. Isn't it interesting when you come to a Passover and a house of David, you park your car, the parking lot is packed out, it's full, and the people are assembling outside. And it's all backed up with people, hundreds of people. And you're saying, why are all these people backed up? Because there's three stations set up in the front. And you have elders from House of David that have served there for over 20 years. And they are there welcoming you. And they're washing your hands. Hmm. Literally, these seasoned warriors are washing from the littlest to the oldest, they're washing your hands, welcoming you into the house of the Lord, welcoming you to the table of God so that you can have clean hands, so that you can ascend and receive the blessings for the whole year from God. That symbolism of having your hands washed. We have had people, Chris, literally healed from oppression and depression because they'll say, I've never felt the love of God like I did when these people actually pour water and wash my hands. And the first thing they're instructed to do is to say, God loves you. You're special. He sent his son to die for you. And now he's going to empower you for a good year. May your name be inscribed in the book. Oh, wow. That's so touching. It's, it's like, and that happens with all 500, 600 people, hmm. and, and they have to wait in line, mm -hmm. and they're out in this beautiful entryway where it's nicely landscaped, and, and, but it's, it's where it's, it starts before it starts, mm -hmm. and that's why they should celebrate the feast. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, that illustration that you see played out every year. Kurt, you are the founding pastor of House of David Ministries, and thanks for sharing so much of what happens there at the House of David. And we also want to point people to your book, which is called Reclaiming Your Forgotten Heritage. And, yes. And that's what the Thomas Nelson Publishers, Reclaiming Our Forgotten Heritage, How Understanding the Jewish Roots of Christianity Can Transform Your Faith. And I think so much of what you've shared with us in this series is transforming if we really take it into our lives. So we thank you so much for sharing from your heart, from your experience, from your expertise. Well, thank you so much. And we are honored because we know we're called to walk together. And you need to know that we value you. We value your goals. We bless Charisma uh, Ministries and all of its publishing and media. And we just speak a blessing over you. And we just thank you so much for what you do to be a light and to speak the truth 
uh, in these dark times. And we bless you guys and thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Kurt, for being with us on this special Charisma Connections series on the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. It's been our privilege. Thank you. Shalom. Shalom to you. Listeners, I pray that learning about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith has helped you understand more of who you are as a child of God. Be sure to go to KurtLandry.com for more on helping you grow in this area. I'm Chris Johnson. God's blessings to you today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.